Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. Culture Map presents What's Eric Eating? From the Gal Media Studios in Houston, Texas, here's Culture Map food editor Eric Sandler. Welcome to What's Eric Eating? Culture Map's weekly look at all things Houston bars and restaurants. I'm your host, Culture Map food editor Eric Sandler. I'll be joined by Ian Tucker and Dominic Lee from Puccine in a little bit. But first, I'm joined this week by a new co-host, but a familiar voice, Rebecca Masson, the chef owner of Fluff Bake Bar in Midtown. Becky, welcome back to the show. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for being here. Yeah. Let's dive right into the news of the week, starting with a little news in River Oaks District. Taverna is gone, and it's going to be replaced by a new concept called Bisu from the owners of Clay and Spire, the very popular Midtown nightclubs. They have joined up with Frederick Perrier, the successful French chef behind Ara Brasserie, Hogs and Chicks, and a whole bunch of other restaurants out in Fort Bend County. The, uh, the basic spin is that they're calling this a continental restaurant, not a French restaurant, despite having a French chef and a French name. <laughs> uh, Maybe because they don't want to be seen as competing directly with Toulouse, the French restaurant that is already in River Oaks District. Uh, Becky, I, I have to say I'm a little bit confused because I'm not 100% sure what continental cuisine is. <laughs> and I can't think of a Houston restaurant that serves it since the place in Midtown whose name I can't think of off the top of my head just closed. I can't even, you know, I'm in Midtown and I can't even think of who that is. Yeah, Johann Schuster's place uh, is going to be. I this is what I get for not doing enough show prep. But <laughs> but anyway, uh, continental cuisine in River Oaks District from French chef Frederick Perrier. What do you think? Well, first of all, I can't even imagine the rent in that place as someone who's, you know, playing the real estate game, trying to find things. Um, continental cuisine. I guess it will span continents. I, well, no, it, it, it's mostly European, right? Mostly it's, European, it's kind of, okay. It's kind of French with touches of Italian and maybe a little bit of German. I'm, I'm not 100% sure how it all comes together, but... I mean, I can idea. see, like, the French and the Italian kind of crossing paths with, the you know, the Romance languages and the romance romantic food. But uh, German's a little harsh and bland. Well, and, and so here's the other thing, of course, since, since the owners are the owners of nightclubs... Yeah, that's two very successful nightclubs. They're going to have like a DJ on the weekends and stuff and stay open a little later. Yeah, maybe that'll work for that area. I mean, you've got the movie theater that probably gets out pretty late and people want to look for a small bite or a glass of wine to end the evening. Right. Or even if they're coming out of Steak 48 and they're not quite ready to wrap up the night, like they may want to, you know, have a cocktail and something else. Uh, these kind of club restaurants have been popular, like in New York and L.A. 
we don't really have that here. I mean, the closest kind of CNBC thing that we do is like when Mastro's is really humming or, or I mean, but even B19 is like that's a, scene. a restaurant. It's yeah. a scene, but it's, it's still a scene, but very it's still much a, a restaurant. restaurant. Yeah, you're not bringing in the DJ. I, I don't know. I sometimes feel like when I look at restaurants that maybe um, bring in a, a DJ at brunch or try to do a theme or something like that, it's usually because we're not getting enough people in the door, so let's do something gimmicky to get them in. Um, you know, but... For me, personally, I don't like that, you know, music while I'm trying to enjoy dinner. Like, it's just, it's already loud in restaurants enough. Like, you don't need to add that. I want to go to a rave feeling as well. Yeah, I mean, I am not a nightclub goer, but I kind of respect what they've accomplished with both Clay and Spire. Well, that's true. That's, But I don't foresee, like, those people in Midtown that frequent those nightclubs, like, oh, oh, let's go over to the River Oaks and eat dinner and play nightclub. I think that's, it's an either-or kind of thing. It, it In Houston, it typically has been. I don't know if, like, the tourists that come through the Galleria area yeah. might want something, like, a little bit stepped up. There really are no true nightlife options near the Galleria that's true, yeah. So I have this kind of, uh, you know, I, I'll be curious to see how this pans out. Frederick Perrier certainly knows what he's doing in the kitchen. So I think the food's going to be, be. The food will be delicious. Yeah, yeah, I think the food will be good. And then it's just, you know, the atmosphere is kind of the open question. But it's all going to happen pretty fast. I mean, there's targeting a September wow. opening date. I mean, maybe, you know, I. You know, you think back of like the Lestrada days, the Lestrada brunches, you know, I never went to one, but I lived in the area. They were fun. Um, they had their place. They had their place. Right. So maybe like on the weekends, maybe that's fine. And then during the week, those of us that want to go have a nice dinner from Frederick can enjoy it. That, that's right. I'll, I'll be there strictly, you know, <laughs> Monday through Thursday and I'll leave the weekends <laughs> to other people. Exactly. All right. Let's move on. Uh, a Houston restaurant attracted national attention last week. International Smoke, the new barbecue place that is a joint venture between celebrity chef Michael Mina and lifestyle icon Aisha Curry, uh, attracted a swarm of negative Yelp reviews from angry Rockets fans who are upset oh. that Aisha's husband, Steph, beat the Rockets in the Western Conference Finals. Uh, there is no clearer break between my colleague, my Gal Media colleagues who host Sports Talk radio shows and my perspective than this particular issue. They all thought it was funny. I thought it was kind of shameful that Houstonians would do this. Uh, my advice to Rockets fans is don't go 0 for 27 from 3 in a game 7 at home if you want to be salty about, if you want to be angry about anything that happened in that series against the Warriors. That's what I would be angry about. Yeah, I mean, it's Steph. Steph Curry didn't win the game. The Warriors won the game, right? And to you know, you know how I feel about Yelp. I mean, we could go on and on about this one. Well, well, that's kind of why I brought this up because <laughs> you you have your own relationship with Yelp reviews. What did we look up? Uh, you're like the number three 
destination for coconut cream pie? Yes, yes. Oh, I am. Yeah. So now, even though you've never made coconut, it's never sold coconut cream pie. Right, and I'm number eight in cannolis, which we all learned. Um, my favorite was Terry from Anvil told me they are number four to ride a mechanical bull. That's amazing. I mean, I was just at Anvil last night. I did not see a mechanical bull. I mean, maybe it's like a secret room, you know, the secret knock kind of thing. I yeah, don't there's know. like that secret upstairs, right, where they... Yeah, there's the mechanical bull up there. That's where the mechanical bull is. So, yeah, I don't... And, of course, Yelp is, like, you know, monitoring the reviews, and they're going to delete all the, the junk that's yeah, talks about, They don't you know, do a very good job of that. Too spicy curry and Kevin Durant and all this kind of nonsense, but... You know, okay, here's my feeling, like... I'm super excited to have the restaurant in town. I think it's going to be a tasty place. It's a little far from me, but, you know, I think sports fans need to get their panties out of a wad because, like, it's not her husband that, that won that game. It was the Warriors that won that game. It was the Rockets that didn't play. Like, that's who you need to be upset with, not his wife, who probably is like me and has nothing to do with sports ball on a major, you know, on a daily basis. You know, she's creating a brand with Michael Mina, and it's totally separate from what her husband does. Well, and... and- you know, your friend and mine, E.J. Miller, yeah, who worked at Riel and Salter Seafood Kitchen and all these places, is going to be the executive chef of International Spoke. And I'm really excited to eat there because I don't feel like E.J. would have signed on to something like this if it wasn't going to be really good. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I've talked to E.J. a couple of times. He's super excited about it. Yeah. I for It's so stupid to go on Yelp. And com- and do these one star reviews about this. It's this you see the same thing happening with the baker in Denver, um, because the Supreme Court, you know, awarded in his favor that he has the religious right to f- refuse to make this wedding cake. Um, it's the same thing. All you're doing is is wasting your time. And as I've called people on, like I've responded to people, and I'm like, you're just being a negative Nancy behind a keyboard. You're not brave. You're not strong. You're not coming out, coming forth. I mean, if you guys go stand in front of an international smoke and protest, I'll give you a little more power, a little more credit. But you can't walk up. Like, I'll put a bet out. Like, I will bet that no one will walk up to Aisha Curry at the opening and be like, your restaurant sucks because your husband beat us. Right? No, of course. It would be, that would be completely absurd. It's just like when I have said to people, I can't fix your problem when you go home and be a negative Nancy behind a keyboard. If you came up to me and said, I don't like this Oreo. It's too salty. I go, okay, no problem. I get it. Let's find you something you like. Right. Here's your $3 back and try the chocolate chips. Yeah. Like there are over 50 different selections in my bakery. If you don't like something, tell me. Now, if you don't like me, that's a whole other issue we have. And my feeling is you don't come to Fluff Bake Bar to see me. You come to see what we do there. And if you think I'm standing in the kitchen and I look angry and you call it the resting bitch face, right? Like, that's my work face. Like, I'm concentrating hard because baking is not easy to make you something nice. Don't assume you know me. Right, and don't assume that you're necessarily going to smile at everybody or be smiling while you're working it's just it's just a whole thing with the way people use 
Yelp because speaking from my own experience, it's actually kind of hard to write about what food tastes like and to be articulate about what you do or don't like about a dish you were served at a restaurant. It's much easier to comment on the waiter was mean to me or he didn't refill my water fast enough. Yeah. Or the valet was too expensive or, or the you owner looked pissed off when she was making uh, You don't cake. have any parking. Uh, that's not my problem. Call the parking city of Houston. Right. You know, it's it I have to say in for me lately, we've gotten a lot of really nice reviews and a lot of it is because people aren't like I don't go out front anymore. I don't talk to people anymore. And when I do, it's someone I know or someone that is a regular or you know, someone has a question, but other than that, it's my staff that goes out there. And yeah, every once in a while they get a review that they were glaring at the customer and they couldn't just because they couldn't decide what they wanted. I mean, I was like, okay, or you should be as sweet as the cookies you make. I'm like, oh, well, they're not that sweet. So no, they're very balanced. Yeah. All right, let us move on. Yeah, uh, this is. Oh, that could be. Like I know a this whole could be hour. a whole hour. Uh, we'll we'll do like a round table with you and I don't know, maybe we'll get Justin Burrow in from Bad News. I know I know Yelp's one of his favorites too. And um Ben from Petrol. Perfect. Yeah. Uh but I do want to move on. Otto's barbecue and hamburgers, which is a a bona fide Houston institution that had been on Memorial Drive since nineteen fifty one, closed in twenty ten and is now kind of relegated to downtown food courts and office buildings. They're making a comeback. They have uh, submitted plans to the city of Houston. They're going to open uh, a brand new, like, 3,300-square-foot restaurant on Durham Drive, just south of Washington Avenue. Um, Wait, is that near FM? It is near FM Kitchen. Uh, more important, it's, it's right next, it's where Luke's Ice House used to be and is now uh, an empty plot. It's next to that Fuego bar. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. So... But a lot has changed in Houston barbecue since Otto's was on Memorial. Uh, Truth Barbecue from Brenham is about to open. Oh, I can't wait. Uh, JJ is back at Beavers doing a little bit of barbecue. Last week's guests, John and Veronica Avila, yeah. uh, are serving barbecue at Henderson and Kane in the old Sixth Ward. And, of course, there's That's Gatlin's cool and Pinkerton's concept. and all kinds of new barbecue options. So the question is, what does a historically beloved barbecue joint have to do to introduce itself to a new generation of customers? Oh, yeah. They're going to have to come out of the gate swinging, like huge. I, I don't know. I mean, I, let's see. I moved here, what, in 07? I had a burger there once. I never had any of their barbecue. Um, George Bush's favorite barbecue joint. Well, there you go. That's a little something-something. Oh, yeah. It counts for something. Yeah. Um, I just think they need to make a big splash, you know, like say, hey, guess what? We were doing this before and now we're back. And I mean, we've been doing it in the tunnels and this and that. But here we are. We're we're here to stay. And this is what we do. And I think there may, you know, maybe the benefit of, of having been on Memorial before and then now in the tunnels, they have a, a, a following and so I think they just need to figure out how to catch those new followers. Right. Yes. Yeah. I mean, they're going to have to kind of reintroduce themselves, uh, connect with a new generation of diners, and be relevant in uh, a part of the city that can be kind of tough for restaurants. You yeah. Know, there's a, like, uh, it can be very up and down. I think, I think FM Kitchen's off to a pretty strong start. 
Max's Wine Dive has done very well in that area, but you know, Molina's just closed. You know, there's a historically oh God, I didn't know that. popular restaurant. Molina's closed their Washington Avenue location, so it can be tough. Yeah, and I think too with there's all those like young I want I'm going to call them young professional bars, like those kids that go blow off steam Friday and Saturday night. So it's kind of a weird little corridor, but I mean, you can look at like you know, obviously El Tiempo's been there forever. Max's has been there forever. El Real's been or El Rey has been there forever. So hopefully, I think having FM kind of be there and set the pace, like set the tone for that area is big and helpful. Yeah, and I think that FM has gotten off, you know, they're a year in now and they're off to a, a nice strong start. I think that bodes well for the idea that a new concept can come in and get some attention and, and build some momentum because it, it has been a, a tough go. That that area has been a tough go for some places. Yeah, I see that. What what was there, BRC? Going yeah, on? BRC, Dunzo. Uh, oh, girl's still holding on over there. There's something over there in BRC now, right? Yeah, it's called Doberman's, and I have not been. It. I can't tell if it's a bar or a restaurant, but huh. I haven't. I'm, I'm kind of waiting for someone to tell me, like, hey, it's pretty good. You should try it. Uh, and if you are that person and you're listening, uh, E-R-I-C, Eric at culturemap.com, drop me an email and let me know or tweet me or Instagram message me or whatever. Uh, but yeah, I haven't, I have not made it to Doberman's yet. Yeah. And then that little Woodrow's has been there for a good set. Yep. Yeah. Remember when that was a silly wine bar? Well, yeah. There's been a couple silly wine bars on that corridor. It's so weird when you don't take those routes anymore. Like, you don't drive that direction anymore. Right. And then all of a sudden you drive through and you're like, wait, what's... Eh. Right. Where, where is this? Where did this come from? Yeah. All right. Uh, and then finally, uh, since you're here, what's new at Fluff Bake Bar? Oh, my gosh. Um, well, we have so many fun bake sales coming up. We kind of were on hiatus there for a hot minute because I had to go travel a little bit. <laughs> yes, you went to all of the food festivals. Not all of them, but the good ones. How's that? Fair enough. <laughs> um, so we've like we're starting off this weekend with Anthony Caleo. We've got Brandon Silva coming. We've got um, Ben Rabini, Jonathan Levine, Brian Moses from Olive and June in uh, Austin. And then I'm so excited. My girl Kelly Fields from Willa Jean in New Orleans. She's doing the Thursday night takeover in July. So it's July 12th. You can just come between 6 and 9 and order a la carte. It's so good. Yeah, that's your new fun dinner series. Instead of formal, seated, plated, multi-course meals, yeah. people can just buy a couple of a la carte items for 10 to 15 bucks and get uh, mm -hmm. a nice presentation from a guest chef. Yeah, it's super fun. It's I kind of like it. It's it's truly it's a pop up from these chefs. We've pulled a lot from outside of Houston, but we're kind of sticking in. So sometimes we might have two a month. We're sticking in some local chefs because it's been kind of like they've kind of approached me and said, "Wait, I want to do this." Um, St. Arnold's teamed up with us, so they bring something fun. And um, there's a guest chef table that. Uh, a total of eight people can sit out throughout the night, and we put those up. You can reserve your spot. Um, it's just, yeah, it's way more relaxed and I think more accessible. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Way more affordable, way more accessible, yeah. way more convenient. Uh, and we should say Willa Jean is like this really great bakery cafe in New Orleans. It's got right. yeah. a whole bunch of national press. So much. Like, So Kelly was 
uh, the pastry chef at August for eons and um, which is um, part of the John Besh group. And she ventured out on and on her own with the help of that company. And um, Willa Jean's just been a hit like Beyonce loves to eat there when she's in town. And she even called Kelly once to tell her. Kelly said she was just relaxing on the couch, and she's like, hey, this is Beyonce. And Kelly's like, no. That's not like one of those, like, when the president calls you, it's like, hold for the president. It's not like, hold for Beyonce, and then Beyonce pops on the line. I wonder. I don't know. She, she like, didn't, she just kind of was so excited. She just spit it out. But that would be kind of awesome. That would be kind of awesome. Yeah. I think she has a secret door now at, at Willa Jean. I think Beyonce can have a secret door to any restaurant she wants. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. All right. That does it for the news of the week. We'll be right back with our Restaurant of the Week. Stick around. You're listening to What's Eric Eating? So, Becky, for our Restaurant of the Week, I want to talk about the dinner we had at La Vista 101. This is the new Lazy Brook Timber Grove reimagining of La Vista, which for almost 20 years was a very popular BYOB restaurant in Briar Grove. It is no longer BYOB. Uh, The chef owner, Greg Gordon, has hired J.D. Woodward, who had been at Southern Goods and Underbelly back in the day, and Goro and Gunn uh, to run the kitchen. And Jeb Stewart, formerly of Cultivare, is the general manager. We had, I would say, a pretty good dinner. Let me kind of start in the beginning, kind of walking in. What was your first impression of the space? Um... The space is nice. It's. I thought it was a little. I thought maybe it was fancier than I was dressed, but then I quickly realized I was okay. <laughs> um, very welcoming when you came in. Um, I, you know, I felt like I was kind of in this like. I hate to say this, but it was like a neighborhood. Applebee's kind of thing, but it wasn't at corporate. Does that make sense? Well, like that friendly, I, like, oh. Well, that is to a certain extent what they're going for. I mean, La Vista was a very beloved neighborhood restaurant, and La Vista 101 wants to be kind of the new generation of that uh, very welcoming, very friendly neighborhood restaurant. So I think that's on par. Uh, the only thing is, you know, Carl Eves did the design, he did the design for Alice Blue. You can definitely see some common touches between the two of them, uh, some of the patterns, the elevated booths. Uh, Greg did get a little bit of his personality. There's some uh, skull wallpaper. Yes. Uh, a couple other touches. Uh, really, the only other thing walking in was just that it is very loud in there. Oh, my God. It is so loud. I think at one point, like, the waiter, like, walked away, and I just looked at you, and I go, I have no idea what he said. I yeah, just- I heard about half of his spiel. Uh, and we did talk to JD about that afterwards. He said that they're they're bringing in a sound guy to kind of add some material to the ceilings and yeah. kind of tame that. But it was really like in terms of the atmosphere and the design, that was really the only negative was just how feel, loud. It I was. feel like if you come there more like more than like two or three times, they're going to know your name. Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah. So like that's kind of cool. Like you know, everybody likes to be recognized. Yes, uh, and then. We looked over the menu. We had a uh, warm tomato uh, caprese salad. Yeah. We had a roasted octopus. We had the uh, 
filet with the bone marrow butter. We had a couple of veggie sides. We had shishito peppers and carrots. Oh, and the carbonara. Uh, yes, and the spaghetti carbonara. Uh, I will say uh, props to JD because they're curing their own guanciale for that carbonara. That is a very unusual step in Houston restaurants. Yeah, that was, uh, it was, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm spoiled by Brandy Key's carbonara at the original Copa Restaurante. And we discussed that with the Parmesan cream and it was just seemed a little extravagant. But to me, that was, it was so good and it was so rich. And I liked having that interaction with my food of stirring in the egg and the cream. The guanciale was just a touch salty for me. Yeah, I it was maybe skewed a little bit salty, but I thought the flavors were good and the pasta was really nicely cooked. The I pasta was very nicely cooked. They're on us something with that. Um, I want to talk about the dishes we liked before we talk about the dishes we didn't like. And I think the favorite was that octopus uh, with the hummus and the flatbread. Yes, it was so nice to find. It was, I, you know, I never thought to put hummus and, and za'atar and sumac with, with octopus i don't cook so there you go (laughs) but i think it was a nice fresh approach to like the grilled octopus dish yeah we've seen grilled octopus on just about every menu but this is a this is a fresh take on it and that hummus is having a moment uh you know dominic lee's got a great one on the puccine menu i'll be talking to him about that in a little bit but uh hummus is definitely having a moment and JD said that the octopus is like their number one seller. So that's great. Yeah, it's nice. Uh, and then I'm not usually a big fillet person, but oh my god, that so bone good. marrow butter was very decadent. And very what delicious. did they call it? The 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 beef, the bone, and the bread. I think I that's think. right. Yes. Yeah. And so we spread the bone marrow on the fillet, and then it was cute. They like came out with the little bone and pulled it off, so the bone marrow was butter was already starting melting. I, you know, I'm, I'm a sucker for meat butter like that. So that just kind of took that very simple filet just to another level. Yeah. And then I'd say the only, I thought the, the sides were fine. I mean, shishito peppers, we've all had that at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought the, the carrots were good. I took the, the leftover carrots home. Yeah, they were great. I'm not sure how I felt about the tzatziki with the shishitos. I just didn't like. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like you could do something else with that. Right. Uh, I'd say the only dish that really missed for me was that tomato caprese. I mean, we're in the height of summer. Tomatoes are in season. Yeah. You know, heating them up just kind of doesn't do much for the texture. And then the, like, I don't know that I want that cheese, like, melted and gooey. I think I want it, I want that burrata as as its kind of regular self i think if he'd gone like maybe one step further further with like a tomato confit like a combination of like fresh tomatoes tomato confit i love a good tomato confit like kind of mixed it up a little bit and then kept the cheese room you know the room temperature it should be then i think that dish would have been a whole different ball game but those warm tomatoes just no yeah and then i know you had a couple of glasses of wine from jeb's wine list what did you think of his selections um it's pink and it's sparkling. No, it was tasty. Yeah. You know, I usually go from like one sparkling to like maybe one glass of like a light red or something, but it was tasty. I had to. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> it was a long day. Uh, yeah. And, you know, it's it's a very affordable, very eclectic wine list. I know 
Uh, Jeb's probably having to do a little bit of hand selling, you know, trying to get people. We did see that. We saw him giving samples to people, which was kind of cool to see. Like he's trying to educate a neighborhood that just wants their glass of cab, you know. Yeah, trying to mix it up a little bit. I I would be very curious to know if uh, Mark Burrell is having like a similar challenge at, at Rainbow Lodge or if that place is just so traditional. It's just like, you know, sling yeah, Chardonnay, sling the cabs and don't sweat it. I think Mark Burrell's really trying to push the bandol. That's like his favorite region. So, but it's nice to see, you know, I'm for me, like, you know, I dated a song for five years. I never knew what I liked because it was always ordered for me. So to go into a restaurant that maybe is kind of this neighborhood casually place, casual place, and to see someone like Jeb Stewart there puts me at ease and it excites me because I know I'm going to get something good to drink and learn a bit about it. Yeah, and I had a, a Sazerac that I really liked. I mean, those those can skew bitter and boozy with the the absinthe and the whiskey, but, but this was very nicely balanced. I was, I was happy with it. And then, uh, we had a a coconut cream pie for dessert. I need a little more coconut pastry cream and I'll be happy. Yeah. I think that was the only thing is it was a lot of, uh, whipped Whipped cream cream. on top, not as much pastry cream in the middle. Uh, the crust was nice. The crust was very nice. Uh, that is, that is a La Vista classic. Uh, and that really has been the only interesting feedback that I've seen online is that people who went to the Briar Grove restaurant for 20 years are very frustrated by the new restaurant because there's basically no overlap between (laughs) the two menus and they're very frustrated. And my only message to those people would be judge the new restaurant on its own terms. Right. Try something kind of embrace it for what it is. And I I think it's possible to have a pretty good meal there. And and honestly, we didn't spend a ton of money. I don't think so, no. I mean, we were... uh, we were what? We at about $120 for, I think so, yeah. With the cocktails and the wine and the dessert mm-hmm. and the apps and everything. So, yeah. My parents went there the week before. I didn't know that. Mr. and Mrs. Wilson. And they they sat at the bar and they had nothing but good things to say as well. So Yeah, and if you went in and split a pizza, an appetizer and a pizza and a couple glasses of wine, you'd be out for probably 50 bucks. Yeah. They, is, oh, they um, said the pizza was excellent. Okay. Well, that was... We were trying to balance our carbs, so we <laughs> we went pasta, not pizza. But yeah. I would happily go back for the pizza. Uh, I would happily go back for some of the seafood preparations uh, on the entree side. And uh, yeah, I'm I've been a, a fan of uh, JD's cooking since he took over the kitchen at Goro and Gun. Uh, I'm excited to see him get this opportunity with Jeb and with Greg, who are two like absolute like industry veterans who've kind of been there, done that, seen it all. And uh, yeah, I think La Vista is a really nice addition to Lazy Brook Timber Grove. It can pull from Oak Forest. It can pull from Garden Oaks. Yeah. Heights people should check it out. It's it's a solid addition. I, I mean, Rainbow Lodge has been there forever and doing so well. So I can't imagine that these guys won't as well. And I like it. It's like, I don't know, two or three miles from my house. I'm in Oak Forest. So we always welcome something new to eat in the hood. Yeah, and then brunch and lunch are coming. So uh, Oh, brunch will be amazing. Yeah. I think brunch will be busy, busy. Yeah. All right, so that puts a pin in La Vista 101. Becky, thanks for joining me. My pleasure. Plug the website, plug your Instagram, <laughs> all that stuff. Uh, we have our website. It's fluffbakebar.com. Um, it's all brand new and shiny, thanks to the 5 Plus 8 folks. 
Um, we are on Instagram and Twitter at Fluff Bake Bar. And I think Facebook is Fluff Houston. Um, what else do we got? You can follow me if you want a little more snark. I'm at Sugar Fairy on Instagram. I'm really bad at the Twitters, people. Nobody I, nobody cares about Twitter anymore. You're fine. Yeah, it, the only time I'm on Twitter is when I have to defend my business. <laughs> <laughs> but that is a topic for another show. Uh, <laughs> and I will be right back with Dominic Lee and Ian Tucker. You're listening to What's Eric Eating? Our interview this week is brought to you by 8th Wonder Brewery, one of my favorite local breweries, conveniently located in East Downtown. It's been really fun to watch 8th Wonder evolve from its sort of humble beginnings in a little corner of a warehouse to now a gigantic warehouse, the huge backyard that they call Wonder World, where you can go before sports games, especially with uh, soccer season and baseball season heating up. 8th Wonders Brewery is conveniently located uh, within walking distance. You might see my colleague Fred Fowler walking around there. I know it's a favorite spot of his. And there's always something new to try at 8th Wonder. Like they just released their Procrastinator Session IPA, the official beer of doing nothing. They're going to have their hip-hop series rolling out here in the next little bit. And, you know, you can always count on 8th Wonder Beer to be refreshing, delicious, and fresh because it's made right here locally all the time. So thank you to 8th Wonder, and here's our interview of the week. I'm joined this week by Ian Tucker and Dominic Lee from Putchin Restaurant, newly opened in Sawyer Yards. Ian, I'm going to start with you. How close did I come to pronouncing that correctly? That was perfect. Absolutely perfect. Excellent. Dominic, welcome to the show. Thanks for being here. Absolutely. Thank you for having us. Uh, Dominic, since I've had Ian on the show before, I want to start with you. I always like to kind of start with how people got into the restaurant business. Uh, what made you want to be a professional chef? Oh, I love to eat. <laughs> this is an easy answer. <laughs> you know, like, I just like to eat and I love food. And it's just like an ongoing like culture thing with food. You can always learn and you can go from different parts from around the world and you have just all these different experiences and flavors and techniques and everything. So it's always learning and always eating and enjoying food. It's just one of my favorite things, and it just made me want to be in be in the job, like have that as a job, you know. Uh, and then I met you a couple of years ago when you were working as the sous chef at Karen's. Yeah. How did you make your way to Houston? So originally, I just wanted to come to chef school in Houston. Because I was looking at, when I was researching all the different chef schools around the U.S., you know, there's Johnson & Wales, there's the French Culinary Institute in New York, and all these different schools. And the Art Institute of Houston stood out because of the way their curriculum was designed as far as it had all these different world cuisines as a class. So you would go to, like, Asian cuisine and it would be a class. Or each one had a specific time frame and quarter length of just focusing on that cuisine so because as i said i like all the cultures I, I just came to houston to go to the art institute and that's how i ended up here and then i want to I'll, I'll get to the decision to come to Puccini in just a minute but yeah. uh how was what was it like working for karen i love chef karen that's a that's the easy way of, of me saying it the first time I met Chef Kieran was at the Texas Restaurant Association, 
And a chef that I worked for was her sous chef. And he told me, he said, it's the most amazing experience. You learn about spices and everything. And I sent her a message that asked her if I could come stage. And that's when she was moving out of her old restaurant. She was like, absolutely not. I'm not having any stages. I'm not having anyone in the restaurant at all. I don't even want to talk to you. And, and so I met at the Texas Restaurant Association, and I said, hey, like I just walked up to her, and I said, hey, you know, I wanted to learn about Indian cuisine, but you told me absolutely not. Like, is there any chance that I can learn about Indian cuisine? I just wanted to work for her for free. And she said, she said actually, I'm looking for a chef. And I, so I showed up at her house. I went to her house, and I cooked with her and cooked for her. And she showed me the plans for the new restaurant, and then I helped her to go from there. Yeah, and it was great, a great experience. Uh, and then, Ian, as you were, you were putting together the team for Puccine, how did you meet Dominic, and how did you kind of decide that he was the, the person to lead the kitchen? Um, I just heard quite a bit about Dominic through people in town. Obviously, at that time, I'd only been here a couple of years, so I was still kind of getting to know people in the business and in the industry, and, and the the few people I did know, Dominic's name just kept cropping up every time I, I asked them about chefs kind of looking to take that next step. That I didn't I didn't want someone that was like already established, if you know what I mean, in like an executive head chef role. I wanted someone who was like young and eager and hungry and wanted to take that next step and was ready for the challenge. Um, so yeah, he was just recommended to me, and then uh, I through a friend of a friend I got his phone number and just cold called him, and uh, he didn't answer. I left a voicemail. Just said, hey, I'm an Irish guy in town looking to open a restaurant. I'd love to talk to you about the position. And then uh, he called me back. That was an interesting uh, message that I listened to on the voicemail. <laughs> let y'all know, like, I was like, you know, one of those voice messages you get when you listen to it and then you look at the phone afterwards? Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That was one of those scenarios. Uh, so you met with Ian. What, what about the opportunity appealed to you and made it seem like it was the right next step? Well, truthfully, when you come before someone and they tell you, hey, I want to build a restaurant, and then they say, you can design the kitchen, and the only parameter that I have is that the food has explosive flavors. It is So in my mind, when I hear that, it's, there are no parameters. You kind of can't get away from that. You know, that's basically like telling you got a license to kill. That you can do whatever you want. You know, like, that's a. I'm sorry, James Bond reference. I love James Bond. So. No, no, like, I'm I'm great with James Bond references. Yeah. So in my mind, that is that is definitely, you know, the first thing is means that I get to cook all the things that I've been thinking about the way that I want to cook them. And as a chef, that just means that you be you get to express your creativity on on the level in which you would like to. Yeah, and I. What I think about Puccine is that it's, it is such an interesting menu. It is so eclectic. Uh, just, you know, things we would expect. Roasted oysters. Yes. Chicharron yes. seems to be very trendy. Uh, but then, like, you're serving that hummus with pulled lamb neck that I feel like has been kind of like one of those, like, dishes that people keep talking about. Could you just tell me a little bit about how you developed that dish? Because it, it seems to be kind of the breakout hit. So... The hummus itself was just coming up with something that you think people would want to sit down and use as like a what a chef once told me would be like the chips and salsa of the of the restaurant. So one of my chef instructors like always asked me that question like what's going to be your chips and salsa? 
And so when thinking of, you know, an eclectic menu and the Mediterranean and the Middle East, you think about chickpeas. At least I think about chickpeas. But I wanted to make a hummus that wasn't the same as you get the hummus from the store and it's kind of granulated and like really thick. And I wanted to actually be able to manipulate the hummus from the very beginning. So by buying dried chickpeas or different types of dried chickpeas and using them to make the hummus and cooking them yourself, you can mess with all of the flavors all the way through. So it gives you that that form of, you know, really control of something that seems so simple, but that can become so complex. And then when I was making the lamb neck dish, I just said, well, you know what? I just want to put some of this lamb neck inside of this hummus and we just want to go with that, you know. And then it's developed, you know, just like as last time uh, you joined us, like now I have people taking pork skins and dipping them in the hummus as well. I think it's such a no brainer. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I, I. Yeah, I don't. I don't know how anyone can look at those two dishes and not think, oh, like these are two great tastes that would taste great together. Yeah, uh, and then Ian, I mean, in the in the press materials for the for the restaurant, it it said that this is kind of inspired by a restaurant you own in Dublin called the Exchequer. Correct. Uh, in what ways is Puccine like the Exchequer, and in what ways is it different? Um, I mean, in, inspired by the Exchequer, and just in terms of the, I guess the. The ambiance and the the overall mix of offerings. So, like, very much we we keep telling everybody we're not a we're not a bar that does food, or we're not a restaurant with a bar in it. We're very much a bar and restaurant, and we want to promote both sides of it very well. And similar to the Exchequer in Dublin, I think we designed it in such a way that it it fits together. We've got like high table areas, bar seats at the counter, lots of beautiful dining tables. So it, it more kind of the flow and the feel of it is similar to the Exchequer. Yeah, I mean, I think one of the things about Puccine is that it really is a cocktail bar style cocktail program. Yes. Lots of choices. Um I mean you have you have a drink with a, a rose frozen in an ice cube. I mean Correct. that's that's a pretty fancy <laughs> uh addition. And our smoked old fashioned, which is kind of yeah. in, in the bar program becoming it's becoming the hummus of the bar program, I think. <laughs> well, yeah, because it comes out under well, it comes out in a smoky, like a smoke-filled bottle. And yeah. it, it just seems like one of those things where once one table orders it, all the other tables around it see it and are like, oh, yeah, we want that. Correct. Table. That's the idea, yeah. <laughs> That's what we want. Um, how do you sort of feel about, I mean, you guys are a little over a month in. How, do you, how are you sort of feeling about things so far? Great, yeah. It's gone really well. Um, all our teams, the wine team, bar team, kitchen team, has just been absolutely fantastic. Everything is going very well. Um, Every week we're getting steadily busier and busier. We're getting, from what I can tell, a very good name for ourselves. We're a lot of the, the press like us, the public like us. We've got a lot of good online feedback going on in, in all aspects. Um, and people are just liking what we're doing. They're coming in and just having really good food, really good drinks. Our, our location's beautiful. Our view is phenomenal. And yeah, it's, uh, I, I guess we couldn't be happy right now, to be honest. It's going really well. I wanted to say that I think that has been really well received as well, just for the people in the area, as yeah. far as the Sawyer Yards and the Sawyer Heights area and that art district, that Washington corridor, that people are feeling as though they have a restaurant that they can go to that is not, you don't have to be too dressed up, but you can come in and feel relaxed and 
come in for a happy hour if you want to make it quick or you can come in for a date night or whatever it is that you want to do but it's within reason and within a that, that small area and i had a gentleman tell me last night from the chamber of commerce he was just he said man like this is just what this this area needed like a place like this where you can come out and uh, sit on the patio and like he had his his son in his arms and you know while he has his glass of wine and he's just like enjoying the space and just having a good time yeah and i i should note i mean that patio has that great view of the downtown skyline i mean even though it's hot outside i sort of suspect you're seeing a bunch of people that want to sit out there yeah for sure i mean and and i mean it's really hot outside not many people are sitting out there up till about like 6 30 ish but right from, but from then on yeah for sure I mean, the, the view is just phenomenal. And we've quite a bit of shade out there as well. So we've done some stuff to make it a little bit more comfortable for people out there. But yeah, the view is, um, I mean, I, again, I'm relatively new to Houston. I haven't been in every restaurant in the city with a view. But from what I can see, it's one of the best views of downtown in any restaurant in town. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I think it's pretty phenomenal. Uh, Dominic, it's your first time being an executive chef. Uh, you didn't start out with like a, you know, 50 seat, uh, <laughs> 2,500 square foot you know, little, little neighborhood spot. I mean, you've got, you've got a, you've got what, like 150 seats in there probably. Yeah. Four, 402 seats. Yeah. Even bigger. Time, times three. <laughs> uh, but true, if you're going to, if it, that, that space though, it, it seems big, but to me, it doesn't seem as big as when you say it that way, when you're like, Oh, it's 9,600 square feet. It's like, wow, that's a massive place. You know? <laughs> yeah i mean i would say it's it's by you know anything that's for anything that's not a steakhouse that's a very large by houston centers it's a very large restaurant we've, we've split it up very nicely though you know again going back to our kind of our kind of setting with our bar and our restaurant we've so many different areas we've like lots of seats at the bar lots of high tables and then a the main dining room we have a really large private dining room a couple of semi-private rooms our patio so it's spaced out very nice so as dominic said when you're in there and even if it's a Monday and there's one or 200 people in there, it doesn't feel empty. It still feels nicely solid. Yeah. I mean, just from like a workflow standpoint, I mean, when you, when you guys are really humming on a Friday or Saturday, I mean, what's that like kind of keeping up with the ticket times and getting the food out to people? It's fun. Yeah, that. And also <laughs> you had to really, with the menu, we had to definitely think that all the way through as far as the way that the dishes would be executed and how to get them out at a proper timing. And if um, now our menu is divided into two sections, which is small and large plates. So as people are coming in, like most of the small plates, if they're ordered all together, we'll send them out as ready. And it just makes it for a more smooth service. And the food is getting out and people are eating and I mean, and once it gets crazy, I mean, it gets crazy. But it's not, you're not going to come in and it's not going to be, you know, waiting 20 minutes for anything. You know, you have food in front of you, you're eating, you're enjoying, and it doesn't feel crowded, you know, like a bunch of people pack in one place. It's just it's just a very nice feel. And I think that initial, my initial thought was like, well, 400. I said, Karen's was 200 plus. Like I've never, I'm like I tell people all the time. I've worked every service in Kieran's, from when it was the friends and family until the day that I left, and it was, you know, it would be crazy some nights, and that's just the restaurant business. 
You know, so I was like, what's another hundred? You, you want you want it to be crazy? Yeah, well, I was like, what's another? If it's, if it's not crazy, you know, you're doing something wrong. Yeah, I was like, what's another hundred and twenty seats? It's not a big deal. <laughs> <laughs> be all right. <laughs> uh, Ian, do you have a kind of vision for how you want the restaurant to evolve? I mean, you're are you are you starting to get a sense kind of of what people do and don't like, and and kind of how you'd like to improve things as you go forward? Um, yeah, I mean, we're we're certainly still finding our feet in that regard. Like as Dominic said, we have changed the menu layouts a little bit already. To we definitely want to promote the the sharing communal aspect of a lot of our food. Um, the fact that the menu is so eclectic and diverse, we want people to come in and sample a bunch of different flavors from from different places. So doing that small plates, large plates concept is working really well, especially with the the small plates because people are just going family style and all of them and really sampling it. Um, so yeah, so we've evolved that way a little bit, and and I mean we're still kind of just taking stock to be honest and see where the wind takes us. I guess we're going to be extremely seasonal in everything we do, drinks and food. So I guess the next kind of change in that regard will come in another couple of months towards the end of the summer. Yeah, Dominic, I know you're a big farmer's market shopper. I mean, what are you what are you utilizing right now that's kind of local that you're really excited about? So currently, we literally just switched from fried green tomatoes to okra because, you know, green tomatoes more like early early spring as the tomatoes are first planted. So, But okra is a, a full summer, summer dish or summer veg. So we're using okra. Also, we have... Um, mixed summer squash and mixed eggplant from Ingle Farms that I use as my charred vegetable. And then from there, we'll have like different types of tomatoes. I was literally in the lobby going over the farm to table thing, like placing an order of the just different stuff. Like they have like rose fin potatoes and Yukon gold potatoes and purple. Um, it's a purple Peruvian potato from one of these farms. Like I have it actually pulled up right now because I was going through it. It's the, I have to tell you now because I want to know <laughs> myself. So one of the great things Dominic's doing in the kitchen is that supporting local aspect. Like yeah. Buena it, Tierra, I'm sorry. Buena Tierra. Yeah. <laughs> well, and I, I think, you know, it's funny because I, I don't think, you know, every chef that buys local produce doesn't always talk about how much local produce they buy because I think at this point, Diners have come to sort of expect that, like... True, true, but to the extent that Chef Dominic is doing it is, is pretty spectacular. I mean, as you just said, he's a big purveyor of the farmer's market. I mean, even still, even though we're now rolling at the restaurant, he's there every Saturday morning. He knows all the farmers by name, knows things about them, their lives, their families. Um, like, if he's not at the market, they get, they're hand-delivering stuff to us. We've got, like, a, a mobile fruit Are you guy that comes rice farms. Yeah. Oh, yeah, no, they... You get, I mean, technically Louisiana, so, but, but like, <laughs> I mean, I remember, uh, I remember having Covey Rice strawberries in season that are like maybe the best strawberries I've ever yeah. had. It's more, yeah. it more so, and not just with the local, but more so just the going direct to producer. That's the real key. Just I, going direct. I don't want to get started on Louisiana's strawberries because <laughs> we'll be going there all day, but those strawberries just come from Ponchatoula. And that's all I'm saying. They have a strawberry festival. Strawberries is what those people do. They're really, really, really good at it. And it's um that's all I'm gonna say. Like you, know, those are the kind of strawberries you don't need to add sugar to. 
You know, they've they like feel like they've already been macerated when you eat them. Well, it just so often you go to the grocery store and you buy a pint of strawberries and they don't taste like anything and yeah. it's yeah, it's rotten. Yeah, it's, you just feel cheated. Yeah, and then you have those and you're like, what have these been my entire life? Right. Why don't <laughs> right? Why don't all strawberries taste like? This? Yeah, definitely. I can I can understand that. And but I think that that's like a big part of the farm to table movement is that. When you have those vegetables or fruits or meats that come from a specific farmer or someone who, who truly loved the product, then you can taste the difference. And I think that in order for our food to have the layers of flavor that we're trying to incite, that you need to have that, that level of care put into it. And when they bring it in, it's like, like you know, you look at it and you're like, this is amazing. You know, this is like you did this. Like, I thank you for your contribution to what it is that we're gonna do. You know, I mean, it's the only way I can see it. Um, and then, so the one other thing I want to ask you about your new role is, uh, what's it like leading the team instead of being like a yeah. cog in the a cog in the machine? It, it's very fun, and also it's um, I would say that it's about teaching, because all of the things that you've learned from the mentors that you've had. Now you have to be able to express them to other people who look to you in order to lead them and to, to answer their questions and to teach them your way or the way that things should be done and how it should be done properly. And I think that's the, the biggest change is that now you're no longer asking questions but answering the questions. And it's also like a form of you know, knowing everything that's going on. So, you know, you know every piece of every part of the puzzle so that when someone asks you a question, it's like that. You know, you know, you know everything that's every every piece of everything, you know. Uh, and then, you know, I don't want to neglect the rest of your team. I mean, you you hired a pretty veteran crew to run the, really the good house team. and the bar program and the wine and everything. Yeah, but we needed to. I mean, as we touched on, it's a very large space and we have a lot going on. We have a lot of different aspects of the business that we were and we're proud of all the different aspects, if you know what I mean. It's not just the food, it's the cocktails, it's the wine, it's all of it. And and again, going back to me only being here less than three years now, I I needed a team that, that knew the city well um, and that knew the people here well and, and what to offer the people here. So we were a fantastic team, and it's all about the team. And as far as I'm concerned, every business, no matter what industry you're in, it's all about the team. So how do you balance kind of, you, you obviously started this business, you have a clear vision of kind of, what you want to do and how you want to serve with hiring these creative people and letting them do their thing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but I, I kind of had the, the vision of the, the overall vision of what we wanted to create. Like the, again, the vibe, the layout, the atmosphere, the feeling, the general offering, the, the service aspect and, and the way we're going to treat our clientele. But then when you hire the team and each of them has their own responsibilities in terms of food, cocktails, wine, whatever it might be, I want them to have ownership over it because then they'll be proud of it. Just like with Dominic, yeah, we spoke about the direction for the menu, but the menu's all him and his team. It's all them. Yeah. I've, I've, I've no, there's no, nothing on the menu that I said, hey, I want this on the menu. That just wouldn't happen. You're because not like, I, there has to be a steak on the menu or there has to no, be. No, absolutely not. Because again, I want Dominic and his team to be really proud of what they're producing. And, and it's only if it's their stuff will they be proud. And it's the same in the bar. It's the, it's the, the bar team's cocktails. It's our sommelier's wine program, very much her wine program. And, and that just gives them all much more of a sense of ownership over it. And also development so that hopefully everything goes well and we look to do something else in the future that everyone then is 
has even more knowledge and is in a better place to do that and stay together and do it together. I think that one of the biggest things that may not seem like a big deal, but it is, is that when you read our menu, all of the menus, either the wine program or the cocktail program or the food menu, you see all of the names of the people who are involved. And it says, you know, what their specific duty is. And I think that that also puts a level of ownership on something that people are now like when they associate a specific thing, they associate it with that person. And it's and it says like, hey, you made this, you know, we the public knows that you made this. So you own this, you know? Yeah. And and I I was just at Anvil last night trying some of their new summer cocktails and each drink on the menu has the name of the bartender who created the drink. And so I, I think you're really onto something with that because, you know, there's there's a pride and an ownership and also like a personal relationship. It's yeah. like completely Oh, like, make me your like make me your drink from the menu or yeah, make exactly. me your dish from yeah, the menu. Yeah, for sure. Like as for the guest experience when I'm a guest in places like that, yeah, same thing. I'm sitting at the bar and I find out the bartender's name and he tells me, like, oh, wow, okay, so that's your drink. Yeah, you created that. You know, it, it just gives that, as you said, that personal relationship. But also think about it. If if I was if I was at a place, let's just say Anvil, for instance, and I had the drink that a bartender made and another bartender is making it and the person is watching them make their drink wrong or messing it up, they're going to say, hey, hey, man. That's not how you make that, you know. Right. There's <laughs> gonna be some correction going on. It's just like that that personal pride about the way something that you have done is presented. Right. I mean, you you all have to kind of support each other so exactly. that you know, even if it's not your dish or your drink, it still yeah. has to be made to the standard of the person who created it. You're all kind of accountable to it, each other. Exactly. And that's yeah. why I, that's why I really find it the most important to have even all of the sous chefs' names on the menu because. And now it's no longer like, oh, this is just Chef Dominic's food. No, it, it's everyone's food. It's not just mine, you know. And so don't, I don't never want, I never wanted the kitchen to be where people are like, oh, we just make his food. No, we make our food. You know, it's, it's all of our food, you know, so we need to take pride in it. You know, I think that makes, them, makes a big difference. Um, Ian, you alluded to the idea that, that maybe there will be additional projects in the future. <laughs> Um, do you have like a timeline for that or are you just kind of sit Absolutely tight? not. Okay. No, I have way too much going on right now. We all do. We're six weeks into a 400 seat restaurant and bar. I've got Balls Out Burger. I've got a 11 month old. I've got enough going on. I've got enough going on right now. Yeah. It'll, 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 definitely that's the plan, but, but no, no timeline at all. And how is Balls Out Burger doing? Good. Then? Yeah, good. It's going good. And, uh, our food truck's doing really well. Food truck's on the road all the time. Lunch and dinner every day. And uh, yeah, it's, we're building a nice little solid following, I think. It's good. Um, well, that really brings me to the end of my questions, unless you guys have another topic you want to hit. Hmm. I can't think of one right now. Just getting ready for I July 4th. July 4th on, on our patio. Oh, yeah, that's going to be banging. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, not so much on our patio. We're actually, what we decided to do is we're actually not taking reservations on the patio for dinner at all. We're just doing all inside reservations and we're going to set up our patio, which is very much lounge bar style and just put some high tables out there and people can wander in and out and head out and watch the fireworks and that's that's what we're doing yeah but but even with all our windows inside it's going to be uh hopefully the weather's good it's going to be a pretty good evening i'm thinking low country boil oh yeah that'll be fun <laughs> he's like <laughs> that's why my mind was a little 
I was talking to Ian in the in the lobby. I was like, I think we should do a like a seafood boil. Yeah, out there, you yeah, know? yeah. Bring get get people together, get a meeting together. Yeah, yeah. that's a good idea. Yeah, that's what I was saying. That'll be a nice July Fourth thing. Fireworks. And a low country boil. Well, you've now said on the radio, so I guess we're doing a low country yeah, boil. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. I think you're that's, that's exactly why I did that. That's why exactly why I did that. <laughs> so now it's locked in. You know, people are like, they're going to start calling later on and they'll be like, hey, I heard y'all doing a low country boil for July, uh, on July 4th. Like, can I make a res for that? Like, yeah, so. Yes, you can. <laughs> exactly. Uh, and just tell people what a low country boil is in case someone doesn't know. So a low country boil is, in Louisiana, we would call it a crawfish boil. But, you know, a low country boil is basically just boiled seafood um, from, you know, it, it originated, that term originated in like Charleston and Virginia and stuff like that. But it's just basically a seafood boil. You have crabs or crawfish or potatoes and corn and stuff like that. And you're having beer and you're just having a good time. You know? Yeah, sounds like a great way to ring in July Fourth. Yeah, that's a uh, that's um for me. Seeing like I said, Louisiana, we just say crawfish boil, and that just everything falls under the gamut. But there's a a, a better term that is all around recognized. Boil. Yeah, exactly. All right. all right. Well, I always wrap this interview up with something I call the lightning round. Okay, lightning round. Five easy questions, five short answers. Ian has already done it, so Dominic, these questions are for you. Okay, I'm ready. I think. <laughs> What's the name of the first restaurant you ever worked at? The first restaurant I ever worked at was a country club in New Orleans called the New Orleans Country Club. <laughs> or if we go back one, it would be Burger King in high school after Hurricane Katrina. They were paying bonus checks and $12 an hour. It's a solid wage at a Burger King. Absolutely. <laughs> What's the first band you ever saw in concert? First band that I ever saw in concert was Ozzy Osbourne and Rob Zombie with my mother. It's <laughs> nice. radical time. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> what is your... Fast food guilty pleasure. It has to come from a drive-thru. Oh, absolutely. Sonic all day. <laughs> and, and so close to the restaurant. Exactly. <laughs> Sonic all day. Uh, who is your favorite Houston sports figure, past or present? Oh, it would be... Is Clyde the Glide Drexler? 100%. Okay, I just wanted to make sure that I said that correctly. Yeah, yeah definitely. Uh, and then where's your favorite place to get a taco? Favorite place to get a taco? It would be... Mia Terra, uh, or is it like Terra something? It's like right oh, there. Tierra Caliente next to the West Alabama Ice House? Exactly. That like legit lingua, yeah. you know, for $1.50. You get about five tacos, you know. I mean, I, I, I don't hold anything back. You know, so, no, yeah. it's a very popular, it's a very popular answer to that question. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Ian, give us the website and the Instagram and all that stuff. Um, it's all Putching Houston. So the Instagram, Twitter, all that is at Putching Houston, and the website's PutchingHouston.com. And Putching is P O I T I N. Yeah. You never actually asked me what Putching is. Putching. Oh, you, well, t- you tell me, Eric. What is like, it? I've like, told you. I've told Puchin, you. Putching is an Irish spirit, unaged whiskey, as I recall. Yeah, there you go. It's the oldest distilled beverage in the world. So, what is the most creative mispronunciation of Putching that you've heard since you opened the restaurant? Honestly, not not a huge amount of variations, but definitely uh, everyone calls it Poitin. That seems I, to be the standard. I get potion. Potion? <laughs> I, like, I haven't heard that one yet. Yeah, I, I got that po- plenty of times. Poitin is the most common one. I, I like potion. <laughs> All right. <laughs> that, that's a good one. Well, well, gentlemen, thank you for joining me. Thank you very much yeah, for definitely. having us. Uh, you can follow me on Instagram at Eric Sandler, on Twitter at eSandler. Keep it locked on culturemap.com for all the latest bar and restaurant news. Thanks so much for listening. I will be back in two weeks, taking a little bit of a summer break. Uh, But yeah, I'll be back soon. Thanks. Thanks.
worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply.